Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 52 of the Flip Side Podcast. Very glad you're here. Hanging out with us on the flip side. We are turning over a new leaf here on the flip side and trying to skip the early show shenanigans and save all those for the end. So it's 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 a turning over a new leaf. It's not easy. It's a New Year's resolution happening in July. We are gonna get right to our interview with our guest Nate Collins here in a moment. Uh, Before we do, a couple of quick things. Number one, I am planting a church, planting a new church in inner city Grand Rapids with the Evangelical Covenant denomination. I am in full fundraising mode for the church plant. I will also be part-time indefinitely at the church plant so as to not create a huge financial burden on an urban church and so we can hire multi-ethnic staff. All that to say, if this podcast ministers to you and you would like to support it slash me financially, that would be a huge help to my overall ministry vocation. You can do that at patreon.com slash Philippiac and pick up some sweet Flipside swag in the process. Also, want to say a huge thank you to Angry Brew for sponsoring the podcast. Double the caffeine of normal coffee. You can pick up a bag of Angry Brew. Use the promo code FLIP at angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com and get 10% off your order. So, with that, let me read to you the bio of Nate Collins, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the conversation that Nate and I have together uh, for our for our conversation today on the flip side. Nate is a grad of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he got his MDiv and then earned a PhD in New Testament. He's presented papers at academic conferences on the subject of gender, sexuality, the Greco-Roman background of the New Testament, and related topics. He is a member of the Society of Biblical Literature, Institute for Biblical Research, and the Evangelical Theological Society. In 2018, Nate began the Ministry of Revoice and serves as its founding president. He is the author of All But Invisible, Exploring Identity Questions at the Intersection of Faith, Gender, and Sexuality from Zondervan, as well as a forthcoming volume about sexuality in Biblical Theology for Life series from Zondervan Academic. Nate and his wife, Sarah, live in St. Louis, Missouri with their three children. In the interview itself, I just want to give you, you know, just some. sometimes in an interview, so we already, already recorded it, 
And there's there's certain questions I don't ask because it just would take up you know more time, or there's certain things we've talked about on the podcast before. And so I would I would recommend that maybe even before listening to this interview, if you haven't listened to episode 41 before, where I interviewed Wesley Hill, uh, that might be a good one to listen to either before or after this when I interview Nate. Uh, so Nate in his in his book. And in his 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 you know writing teaching he he does not use the the word uh, SSA the uh, the word sorry the the words same sex attraction the abbreviation uh, SSA and I know I know some of you do and I know some of you have have you know reasons for that biblically that you prefer uh, as you you being often straight. Uh, straight conservative Christians uh, think that SSA, same-sex attraction, should be used, and 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 gay Christians should not be used. And and some of you that I know who are gay or same-sex attracted prefer the 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 label. Uh, I don't like the word label, but the title um, SSA over over gay. And you know, I just I I Wes and I when I interviewed Wesley Hill, you know, we talked through that, and and he gave some kind of good rationale of why he uses the term celibate gay Christian to describe himself. And my personal take is I, I try to give honor to both sides. And I, I honor and respect the, the title that a person uses for themselves. And Nate uses gay to describe himself. And when he, he jumps into his book, you know, he doesn't even talk about that. He just jumps right in, talks about gay Christians. And so that's what I did in the interview. And so I just want to give you a little bit of background and context for that. But, you know, this interview, th- this this subject, it is it is such a controversial subject in the church. And and, you know, we, we get into Overture 23 of the the PCA uh, General Assembly that just happened a week ago, and in those types types of conversations, it's a lot of uh, it's 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 black and white, right? We have these theological debates, and we debate back and forth, and we forget the these are we're talking about real people's lives, and there's real emotion here, and so I'm really thankful to Nate for being willing to come on in this public way, and you know, there's some emotion there. There's 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 some weight to it. And so as you listen, uh, you don't have to agree with everything that I say or everything that Nate says. I, I, do, I do hope that you are able to have empathy. I hope you're able to have compassion and to really pause and to, and to say, oh, man, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I maybe I'm not sure that I've, I've, I've realized the weight that a gay or same-sex attracted uh, Christian carries around with them. What are, what are some things I could do to help uh, alleviate that weight? What are some things I could do to help bring that relational intimacy that every person needs um, to someone <clears throat> that's gay or same-sex attracted? So this will be a challenging conversation, I think, for for some. And and I, I just ask that you would you would kind of prepare your heart now. To, to allow yourself to be challenged. So with that, uh, let's bring Nate here into the flip side. All right, Nate, thanks so much for joining us on the flip side today. Welcome. Thanks, good to be here. All right, well, hey man, I would love if uh, I, sh- I shared your bio with the listeners already and told them a little bit about your book. I'm 
wondering as much as you're comfortable, if you can just tell us, tell listeners about yourself and how did you get into um, a really ministry leadership, leading the charge uh, when it comes to uh, LGBT uh, people and the the over the broader conversation uh, with the church? Wow, that's a very broad question, but sure, I, I, I can jump in. Um, I'm I'm a gay man. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and uh, I've been a, in a Christian settings my entire life. I grew up on the mission field. My parents were missionaries. Um, and I, it, it, it's almost a, you hear this a lot in a lot of, a lot of stories of, of, of gay people. They, the, 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 the idea of feeling different and feeling like you're realizing you're different early on in your life is pretty, pretty common. And so that was the case with, with me. And, uh, you know, in teenage years, you, when puberty hits, you realize, wow, this, this is, this is what that means. And mm-hmm. I'm a Christian and I'm not supposed to experience these things because Christians don't experience these feelings. And so there's a struggle early on to, to try and either actively face that or what more often happens is you just put, you know, push it to the back burner, you ignore it. And in, you know, in the secret quiet moments, you pray, you know, God, just let me wake up tomorrow and be normal. Mm. So that was my experience uh, in my teenage years. Um, For a number of different reasons, I ended up in Bible college and, um, I, you know, I, a lot of gay people back then, uh, just tried to, you know, sort of fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me, I, I genuinely wanted to have a family. I wanted to, to be married and, and in college, I actually met a woman that I developed feelings for and developed an attraction towards. And so I'm, I'm a married gay man, married to an opposite sex person. My wife's name is Sarah. She's a just an incredible, amazing person. We've been married for 17 years now. Um, and I genuinely love her. Like I, the way I describe my attractions to my wife, I, I have a sort of a latent default gay orientation, but I also have a one woman orientation as well that operates sort of on a parallel track, so to speak. Mm. And so, you know, we've been married for 17 years. Um, I've been open about my experience as a gay man for the past uh, 14 years or so. Uh, finished Bible college in 2003, uh, went to seminary, got an MDiv. My wife got an MA in counseling. She's now a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I went back to school, uh, got a PhD in New Testament. We've got three kids. <laughs> so <laughs> life's been pretty full. Um, but to jump into you know how I got into this conversation, I just began being more open about my story and uh, the story of God's work in my life mm-hmm. uh, the past 14 years or so. And... Uh, as a uh, seminary student, began being more active on uh, just speaking at churches and conferences. Uh, as I worked on my PhD, I developed a lot of my ideas about orientation, about desire, about sexual ethics. And um, yeah, I mean, that that led to where I am now, yeah. uh, which is uh, just in charge of an organization that seeks to provide community and support and spiritual belonging to LGBT Christians who have a traditional sexual ethic and are just trying to find a place to belong in the the Christian church today. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for sharing. I know, you know, just jumping on a podcast and I I know it's stuff that you're used to, uh, but sharing your story, there's vulnerable pieces there, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. And and just thanks for being vulnerable uh, with me and, and with us. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what as as I as I 
you know, hear your story and, and, and growing up in the church. And I, I believe you said in your book, uh, your dad is a pastor, uh, um, Southern Baptist. Um, and I'm trying to remember, yeah, you went to Southern Baptist, uh, theological seminary as well. What was the, uh, when you came out, um, openly and, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline. Uh, were you married already when you came out? And and what was the what was the reaction within? Just you know, I would say your denomination at large. That's, that's a huge denomination, right? But I mean, were you in seminary? Were you in a ministry position? And just just as as that, um, how did that change your relationship with with um, you know church that you were in or churches you were involved in? Or, or did it did it change? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah, so I was I was in seminary at Southern at the time. It, it was 2006 or 2007. I I, I can't remember. <laughs> um, and it was at a Wednesday evening service at our church that uh, was doing a series of uh, Wednesday evening services on testimonies, basically. And I mm-hmm. approached my pastor, who actually ended up being my doctoral supervisor, Tom Schreiner. He was the pastor of, of the church at the time. And I just, I mean, he had known my story, but I said, Hey, I think I'm, I'm wanting to, to share publicly about this. And so I did that at the, the church service. And so I, 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 I basically approached that experience as a sort of coming out. Like once that was shared at that, in that context, I assumed that, yeah, this is, this is, this is my story. This is Nate. Mm-hmm. This is publicly available information. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wish, I mean, looking back, I mean, it was, again, almost 15 years ago. And so a lot's happened, a lot's changed. Um, I do feel as though uh, relationships that I had, friendships that I had that I thought were um, solid or stable or reliable proves to end up not being that, um, which is just, a, I guess, a way of, beating around the bush saying that, yeah, I lost friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was, it was hard. It wasn't hard at the time because I was trying really hard at the time to convince myself that that wasn't what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, that's, that's, that's really what happened. Um, but I, I, I gained new friends. Um, I developed a new, um, new relationships with people who were like, wow, this is, a safe person, someone who feels like he can share this part of the story vulnerably and be known about this. And, um, and it, yeah, so in that sense, it, 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 it was a helpful experience for me, but over, like, I do think overall it, it, yeah, it, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in terms of the denomination as a whole, you're right. It is huge. I mean, the SBC was, is huge. Um, I was at Southern seminary, which is a, a huge seminary. I thought, you know, yeah, word's going to get around and people are going to be beating down my door asking questions. And one of the themes that you hear in gay people who, when they come out to somebody, um, there's a real, there's a strong desire for, for people to, to show interest, to actually care about this actual, this aspect of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And what often happens is the people that, that you come out to don't bring it up. They want to avoid it because it makes mm. them feel awkward. It makes them feel, um, yeah, awkward. And one of the things that's hard is the, you want people to be able to not feel awkward around you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, it sort of forces this experience of, of, of feeling avoided 
feeling like this part of you is not welcome, even though you've shown the courage to, to actually divulge it and bring it up. Yeah. And so that, that ha- definitely, I definitely experienced that. Um, I, I, like I said, that happened 15 years ago and it wasn't until maybe 2011, 2012 that people began talking to me about LGBT people and mm-hmm. people asking questions and um, trying to understand. And so it, it's definitely, a, I don't know if it's a cultural thing that just, in the 2000s, the people weren't ready. Mm, sure. Um, there were, I mean, 2000s, we were having gay marriage debates, you know, in terms of the government and yeah. civil unions. And um, 2005, I think, is when 20 states passed amendments to their constitutions to prohibit gay marriage. And so there are a lot of things going on uh, culturally uh, that are relevant as well. I have a ton of questions I'm looking forward to getting into and I'm looking at them going, man, I want to, I want to make sure I ask these in the right order and ask the best ones first and, and, and all that good stuff. Cause some of them I, I want to ask as a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, some of some of them I want to ask for, for people that are, that are listening, uh, that are gay and, and, um, you know, just, uh, there, there's all kinds of stuff I want to, I want to get to what, as you, but then I think of new questions as you're talking. So that's the problem. But so as you're, you you come out as gay and but you're you know you're you're married and you're also saying I, I it sounds like in your you know you sharing your testimony at church and you are affirming uh, and continue uh, you know as a leader and in your writing um, you you continue to affirm a a traditional and you can give me better words if uh, if there's better words for this but a traditional biblical sexual ethic of uh, sex God's design uh, God's I don't know, design, I think is the word, the yeah. command, his, his command, uh, his command at least, or whatever his, uh, is for sex to be between a man and a woman within marriage. And so in some ways, uh, I feel like, um, and, and, and that, that would be the side B position, uh, on, uh, when it, and, and we can, we, I've talked in other episodes before about side A and side B. And so sure. okay. listeners might have, uh, we don't have to get into all that right now, but, it feels like you know you are uh, in some ways you're a, a I well this is funny because I feel like it should be that the conservative church uh, should know what to do with you uh, should be able to love you and and others who are who are side B and and say wow like you have this this cross you have to bear you have this this attraction uh, this orientation this thing that. You don't control. Uh, it's there, and look at you. You you are submitting it to Jesus. You are yeah. doing something that is so hard, something that I I, I can't imagine having to do, and yet mm. you're you're doing it. You're doing it out of worship. You're doing it out of obedience. You're doing it out of out of surrender, sacrifice, and and I know that that's not always the response uh, yeah. of of the of the the conservative uh, you know church. And so there's a question in there, and I'm. I'm a bad podcast interviewer. I always ask more than one question. I don't want to ask that question yet. So I'm going to get to that one. Okay. But uh, I think my question is uh, for just your advice on, uh, let, let, let's say to the to the conservative church, the conservative, I mean, churches that believe that about sex and, you know, yeah, believe, yeah. believe sex is for a man and woman and, and marriage. Uh, what about when, somebody uh i guess would be side a you know somebody who's who's uh who's who's gay and they they don't they don't believe uh they don't they don't believe 
what the what we would say the Bible says about about sex. They 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 would they would believe that um, it's okay for you know a man and a man to have sex together, or a woman and a woman, and then gay marriage and and all that. Um, I guess that that always changes the the dynamic in in a way uh, or in a big way, right? So so. Um, Preston Sprinkle's done a great job of talking about loving, you know, gay people really well. And, and I think he's made a lot of headway into the conservative church. Obviously not the whole conservative church, but uh, yeah. I've interviewed Preston. I've interviewed him a couple of times and, and, you know, know a lot of friends that, that really like his stuff when it yep. comes to how to love well. But uh, OK, so now I'll, la- I'll land on my question uh, when it comes to um, let's say you're you have a friend from seminary not you but just a listener has a friend from seminary that comes out as gay but he's he's not married to a woman he's married to a man yeah uh, or he's with a man uh what do you think is the christian response and let's make it even harder and they're a they're a member of your church or they're a part of your church and i don't i I don't mean to pin you into a corner i just mean these are things i i really wrestle with myself is really wanting to be loving and yeah. it it does get just kind of confusing of how to yeah. do it best. Yeah, no, you're what you're you're that question is the in my mind the hardest pastoral task mm-hmm. um, in this in this conversation. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's hard uh, culturally in terms of just the the culture we live in. We live in a culture that that idolizes sex that idolizes the equals that uh makes intimacy equal with sex so that the most intimate you can be with somebody includes sexuality or involves sexuality sexual expression uh we're a a culture that that uh idolizes marriage to be honest yeah oh yeah and so um, there, there are plenty of, cult- of cultural pressures that, that just by growing up in our Western society, we, we imbibe. To make it even more difficult, the North American church has adopted these, idol- these idols as well, so that you see them in the actual church, where church culture uh, is one that idolizes intimacy, that equals sex, idolizes marriage, um, has very little um, pastoral care and direction that 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 would support people who need to be celibate for their their entire mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. therefore be single. Um, the word single should be absent from our vocabulary. Uh, just because you're celibate doesn't mean you should be single and alone. You should have people that you belong to as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, addressing all of these these realities and acknowledging all of these realities is part of the problem um that we have that that makes answering your question difficult and so i guess to to answer your question we need to realize as a church that we have bought into all of these idols and that that has set us up to not be able to be in a good position to answer that question in a way, in a way that's compelling Hmm. in a way that, that sounds obviously gospel centered, which is Jesus is enough. Jesus and his grace is enough. I don't need anything else. I don't need sex. I don't need marriage. These things are, are reality or spiritual realities that point to these things are, are realities that point to a deeper spiritual reality, which is, my union with Christ, him being enough for me, the bride 
of Christ being uh, a pure and spotless thing that's presented to him in the, in the end time. So all of these things uh, fill, uh, fill out our understanding of what it means to live costly obedience. And if we had that just baked into our context, our cultural context, it would be a lot easier hmm. to be able to answer that question. And as it is, we have to do a lot of back work <laughs> um, for individuals in our churches um, that that might, you know, for example, the, the hypothetical gay person that you mentioned who might be visiting our church and comes to faith, is married to a, a man, like it takes a lot of work to be able to work, to, to undo some of these assumptions, some of these things that are baked into his understanding of what it means to flourish as a human being, according to God's design. And, and those are, those are because it's hard work (laughs) because it takes a lot of effort. um, That should, that should, that should put us in a posture of humility. Mm. It's like, wow, this is, I belong to a tradition where this is a reality (laughs) Mm -hmm. where the, 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 the things that uh, seem natural to me are actually not helpful to this group of people whom God loves and whom God is calling to live in his kingdom alongside, you know, the vast majority of people for whom these realities are not problematic, don't yeah. pose a problem. And so that position of humility is something that needs to characterize Christian leaders and denominations and churches and entire and faith communities. And, I, 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 what I've seen is that when it does come to characterize specifically local faith communities, it's easier to, I shouldn't say easier. It's, it's more natural to actually be able to be, to extend a call to obedience in a way that's compelling that the gay people experience and LGBT people, LGBT people experience as uh, compelling. <laughs> but that's again it's a it's a very then you get into the details well you know do you ask them to separate uh i don't think there's any uh i don't think there's any mandate uh for the details i think you have to do it on a case-by-case basis yeah uh, sometimes it might be healthiest for the individual to, to call eventually to call the individual to separate i think a lot of times it, it doesn't necessarily need to lead to that um if if there's a sense in which their life is still his, the individual life is still better with their partner. Um, they just live in celibacy. Then I think that can be fine, especially if there's, if they have, if they have kids, like if they've, if they've adopted kids and there's a family unit, I mean, you're asking to split up the family. Like that's, that's not good. Um, or ideal, so, but it, it's complicated. Yeah. And, um, I think there's ways to honor the human dignity of gay people in those situations and still uphold a, a, a call to holiness, uh, mm. like that the scripture calls all Christians to. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, well, embracing, em- embracing the complicated part, it, it forces you to slow down. I, th- I think often as, as churches, we just want to have policies. And if you don't fit that policy, then it's, like the guillotine, yep. you know, bam, chop, you're done, you know? And I think even, and I share, I can just share this personally. I think, um, cause of my own, yeah, that's my own, that's is my, my, my paradigm as well, or, or background where, where I think I would have a fear an un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
not a legitimate fear. So an, Ill, a, 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 an unfounded fear of if you if you have a gay couple coming to your church, and let's say you're a smaller church and everybody knows everybody, mm, and yeah. there's a gay couple there, and 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 you are a church that uh, would be you know side B, you'd be a church that's uh, believes in the the traditional sexual ethic, even if you're very very loving, you know, to gay people. And if I, you have single gay people at your church, you're like, yeah, it's cool, man. But then they're there yep. with their, their couple. Uh, and you know, the two, the two are there together and it's hard as a pastor not to start thinking, oh, every, everyone who comes now will think, uh, mm -hmm. we are, you know, I know affirming is a word used in, in different ways nowadays, but just, yep. to, you know, to, that we are, we are an affirming church. We're a theologically yep. affirming church, you know, and, sex marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, our, our member base is going to leave the church and there's going to be all these concerns. And there's so, there's so many variables to that conversation because, yeah, yeah. uh, for, there's so, well, for one, there's so many ways that we we have taken homosexuality as a as a topic uh as a sin issue and we've mm. we've i don't i don't mean homosexuality as a sin but i mean the issue the sure. conversation just yeah, over the last <laughs> tw the, the last 25 years right yep. or or yep. and longer i mean i'm I, we're, we're we're about the same age i'm 38 and mm. i just you know it, but like we we grew up in similar baptist circles as well and just how you had all the sins that everybody dealt with here, and then homosexuality is up here. You know, it's just like, and it was like because it's this thing that none of us, at least, admitted to struggling yeah. with, and and and, sure. and so you could just demonize it, and 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 I, I say that to say if there was a a boyfriend and girlfriend sleeping together, living together, and they're attending your church, you just don't have those same. Fears. You don't. You're yeah. just like, no. They're gonna come to know Jesus, and they're gonna get married, and it's gonna be great. Meanwhile, yeah. um, it's a double standard. It's a huge double standard. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It's a huge double. And I think for me as a pastor, as I work my, as I work through it, I have to be accountable before God and yeah. honest before God to not have that double standard and and to extend the same grace. To both couples, the same grace yep. that's inviting them into the gospel, to, to both it's, couples. It's the same tricky balance between extending grace and holding that biblical standard, which yeah. is holiness. Yeah, right. <laughs> but also recognizing that everybody's on a journey and a process. Yeah. And, and God is with them. The Spirit is drawing them. And you're their, their shepherd in the meantime. And you're supposed yeah. to be Jesus with them. And that process of sanctification, or whatever you know, word someone might want to use, but that that process of discipleship, and it doesn't happen overnight. I had a, I had a friend who, to his props to my friend, he's a he's a, a pastor uh, at a at a, a large. He, he's on staff at a large uh, conservative church, mm -hmm. that, and 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 you know he had said, um, you know. He, he, Let's say that somebody has ninety things that uh, they have to. He said ninety as his number. Ninety <laughs> things that somebody needs to get holy about, right? Before God, you know, like they're a new Christian or or yeah. or or whatever. They're just a Christian, and we always act in the church like uh, if if you're gay, that 
the number one thing must be, you know, becoming celibate and, 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 and all these kind of things. And he's like, what if in God's lineup, that's number 83 or something. And, yeah. you know, it, you know, just, it, it was an interesting way to, to think about it because we do that where we we're kind of okay with all these other, we, we go to one side or the other. Like you said, we, we either, it's, it's either all holiness today, right now, you better be perfect or you're out of here, which isn't, which isn't grace, you know, at all. Or we just, we just, we see it the other way too, where you just forget the holiness side of it all together. And it, yeah. it kind of is, uh, eh, you know, you can just kind of, we, 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 we think of love as just being, um, permissive. Uh, progressive. Yeah. Love is just, what did you say? Permissive. Permissive. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Permissive. Love is just do it. Yeah. Just, you can do whatever you want and, 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 and kind of throwing out the Bible altogether. So, um, I think the biblical principle that comes to bear in this, in this really difficult and really messy, uh, yeah, conversation. You know, so there, there is a principle in which sexual sins are in a different category, not saying they're worse or that they're more heinous or anything like that. But there, there, there's, there's a biblical principle where, you know, Paul talks in, in first Corinthians about sexual sins being sins against the body. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's massive debate about what that even means. But I think that the just the bare fact that Paul does go there, that he he singles out sexual sins in that sense, um, I think it does give us reason in some ways to prioritize getting getting this right and urging new believers to pointing new believers in a particular direction when it comes to just the way they steward their sexuality. The problem is, again, we get back to the double standards. As a, as a church as a whole, we have not cast a vision for what healthy sexuality is, for what, what it looks like to flourish yeah. sexuality. And so uh, I, I, I think that we, we don't need to hide behind, you know, this permissiveness that says God's love and uh, we, can, uh, we can not make this a priority. But I think that there's a, a good way we can assume a posture of humility, recognizing that our tradition has not prepared us for these questions, that it's, it's given us a culture in which these questions are really difficult to answer, but we have resources in scripture mm-hmm. and we have, we have the ability to reflect and to think about what does it look like to speak prophetically to our tradition and then reach out missiologically to the rest of the world from a posture of humility, recognizing we've gotten it wrong, but we still believe that that there is a good way. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that all of these things are, are important things to, to think about as we think about well, what's it look like to, to be winsome in our witness uh, to someone who's gay who might come to our church. So you've, you've taken up this calling of dealing with these very hard, complicated questions. And I know you well, don't stumble into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, into it. God, God, forced you you know your stumbling was like i didn't you know, necessarily follow the traditional he, career path or a new testament <laughs> right right exactly yeah that's very true and i know i know that you don't do it from an ivory tower i mean i i know that you are your life on life with people and as you you began revoice you know even more so where where in some ways uh i think 
LGBT people of all sides are 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 flocking to you, and but particularly side B uh, yep. folks are flocking to you and 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 to the conference, and uh, you know just just starved in some ways for for uh, com- community and for some answers and things. So so I have a, a question I've been kind of holding for mm-hmm. this interview. It's a I I didn't realize uh, I was I was in conversation with a, a side B gay friend of mine and i i did not know how much uh i don't know the right word disagreement there was within the side b community i kind of thought and i'll I'll explain uh, where where i'm going here with it but i had kind of thought it was pretty clear cut like i said earlier you have side a you know affirming of of sex uh you know between gay people and then side b says no you know that's for marriage only for men and a woman uh, and so then you gotta be you gotta be celibate and single, you know, and it's kind of the end of the story. And uh, mm-hmm. and and then uh, we on the podcast we did a, a book group, a book club through uh, Wesley Hill's book Spiritual Friendship, and then I I interviewed Wesley about spiritual friendship, and that was very good. And I was able to ask him uh, some of these, and then. I didn't know so so here I'm gonna I'm gonna just get right into it I'm gonna get into the into the here's the life on life and okay. and this is me as a pastor mm-hmm. going I'm s- super comfortable with a gay whatever you want to call yourself same sex attracted gay if you're if you're celibate and and you affirm the biblical ethic man you can you can be a pastor I mean this is great like like I said you're 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 surrendering this stuff to Jesus. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know is that within that side B community, so so um, there's and and again, I I am just a learner here. I'm legit like open handed going. Okay, I don't want to just bring my my preconceived notions to this. Um, spiritual friendship and this wasn't in Wes's book and, and and he had a great answer when I asked him about this but that concept of spiritual friendship or or kinship or um uh there's other other kind of words for it that I can't think of right now but basically you have people who who are um not having sex but mm-hmm. th- they're they're both gay and they're in a relationship mm-hmm. and there's a, a variety of physical affection that's that's um and that's where the disagreement is on is is and, and i i really felt like the youth pastor being asked the how far is too far question you know yeah but, uh, as i'm going through this my heart is going no you can't you you can't have a boyfriend if, if you're not having yeah. sex but that you can't have like you can't be making out you can't be kissing yeah. You can't, yeah, yeah. you can't be snuggling shirtless. Like, ah, just, there's like this, it stuff. And it, it challenged me. And some of the, the questions, and, and, and you've heard these, I'm sure is, you know, well, well, well ro- romance is a, a cultural thing. And, and, and some things would have been platonic in other cultures that are considered, you know, romantic today. And, um, you know, and, and all those sorts of things. So I, I've really, I'm, I'm not asking this to try to pin you down or get you to, you know, answer some controversial question I, I i ask it twofold one what's your advice to gay christians who are trying to navigate this who i think my my sense is they want as much of that intimacy as they're allowed to have um yeah. and what would your advice be really for a pastor like me who at some point 
like I'm I'm going to have to in my church plan I'm going to have to make policies about uh, membership and about leadership. I mean, anyone can come to the church and anyone can be a part sure. of the community at that level. But uh, I, I could I hire you know a pastor that. Um, you know, I got to make it so at some point like a rule, yeah. which I know the rules aren't always helpful. Uh, yeah. But as a pastor, sometimes you have to have rules for certain things like leadership. Yeah. So just yeah. your thoughts on that whole that whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's very. I mean, it, it, what's what's what you're what you're highlighting and what you're 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 pointing to is. Um, the problem of the problem in which gay people do not feel um, I mean as human beings we're, desi- we're designed to be in, in connection and relationship with other people and when you have an entire culture within Christianity so cultural Christianity that says that has all these unwritten rules about what is okay in terms of experiencing intimacy with other people and what is not okay and those rules just by the very shape of them mean that gay people never experience intimacy that's okay that's within um uh within the bounds of of what would be appropriate for Christians. And so like you have intimacy starved people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that is, that's the first thing that people have to come to come to grips with and, and really own, like we, we belong in a tradition that, that is okay with gay people never experiencing intimacy. Mm. Like that's just, that they're, they're, I mean, that's just so wrong. <laughs> And so we have to come to grips with that as as a church and understand that's what that's our tradition that's what we've inherited and that's what we have to be a part of changing. And so so in other words if you think of you know the, the proverbial pendulum we're way over here. <laughs> it it stands to reason that when we try and balance this when when gay people try and balance this that it is going to swing too far in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Like that should not surprise us. And, uh, and when we do react to that, as we should, when, when, when things swing too far in the opposite direction and, you know, the, 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 the classic problem of antinomianism, you've got legalism on the one side and antinomianism on the other side and antinomianism being, you know, rules don't matter. Anything goes, God, you know, sin, sin happily because God covers all grace covers everything. Mm. Um, and so that's a, that's a problem. But we have to, re- whenever we react and, and notice that tendency and, and examples of that over those overreactions, we need to do so from a position of humility, recognizing that 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 we are part of a tradition that is that has made that the problem. Um, so, but yeah, to get back to to the to the original question, I I the I, I it, it's funny it doesn't really come up a whole lot, and you know you, you talk about you mentioned it in terms of this like, well I thought you know side B is side B and. You know, I, I personally don't even talk about side B so much because, like you said, it's it's a very diverse yeah. uh, umbrella term that, I mean, <laughs> uh, the only thing that you can say is 
the common thread is that you've got a bunch of gay people trying not to have gay sex. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's the common thread. And there's a, there's a variety of reasons why they're, they're trying not to have gay sex. And some of them are more scriptural. Some of them are more, well, I'm, I feel shame and guilty about it. Some of them are more, well, that's just my personal calling. Someone else might feel differently and that's fine. They're still Christians and we can go to the same church. Like, these are all uh, perspectives within the, you know, the broad umbrella of what would be called side B. And so I, I prefer just to stick to, to more traditional terms, uh, historic Christian sexual ethic, recognizing that even the historic, you know, Christian sexual ethic has not been perfect. Um, that, that involves um, always reforming ideas of what it means to be a faithful Christian who believes that biblical revelation is our ultimate authority and that we have to properly interpret the text. Um, and so that means as we're trying to address this deficit of intimacy that gay people is gay people's experience in the church, that we're also calling people to be honest about their ongoing temptations mm -hmm. and honest about, you know, are you putting yourself in situations that are not good for your soul long-term? Um, but also checking, calling, calling straight Christians to check their own uh, gut. Uh, a lot of our tradition involves just attitudes about gay people that we've just sort of imbibed. And so, you know, the, the, the word for, you know, for that is homophobia and it's, it's a loaded term. It means many things to many different people. I tend to avoid it, but I think it, it names a, a actual reality in cultural Christianity as well as society at large of that, that, you know, people have a sort of a, a latent disdain for gay people. And that's something that is, that, that, that characterizes our culture. And we have mm -hmm. to realize as Christians, what are, we have to think about and be honest about how that, that for the force of, of disdain for gay people can inform our own reactions to gay people wanting to experience intimacy and, and extend a level of deference as Christian brothers to, yes, that person is gay and they're experiencing a need for intimacy, but they also have the Holy Spirit, I believe. And the Holy Spirit is able to lead them, to convict them. And I might feel called to speak into their life, but I might also need, need to, to ask myself, am I really called to speak into their life? Is the Spirit really calling me to speak into this aspect of their experience? Or is this something that I just need to, to watch and sit back and, and, um, and, 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 and not speak to, um, but it, it, it is different when you're a pastor, like you said, you've got to have, um, uh, standards for leadership policies and all these things. And, and yeah, these are all questions that are legitimately, um, understood as part of that process of, of forming a, a, a healthy spiritual faith community mm -hmm. in a local church. My long answer. <laughs> oh, it's a long. It was a long question. It's and there's yeah. It's a great answer. It's it's one of those. I think it's there's just there's not. These are really million dollar questions in a lot of ways, and so yeah. so the the answers are um, they're deep and they're they're complex. Uh, I I I am uh, a couple other couple other places I want to get to before before we wrap up. I want to make sure we get to um, so. Uh, this wasn't planned when we scheduled this, and I I don't keep up on a lot of the, the, the big Christian news things going on. But just this last week or over the last few days, uh, the, the PCA, um, Presbyterian Church of America, I'm getting that right. Um, yeah, in America. In America. Yeah. Um, 
their overture 23 i don't know what an overture is that's uh because i'm baptist um i grew up or i i grew up baptist i should say um but but the pca for those that don't know and correct me if i get this wrong and there's a lot of different types of presbyterian out there uh and and many of them are are very progressive or affirming already the pca is not the pca would be the denomination of tim keller who's very famous uh, Kevin DeYoung, quite famous, and men, many in the Gospel Coalition, uh, yeah. which is quite quite famous. And and I point to that not to not to demonize, obviously, or anything like that, but just to say these are voices. Uh, the Gospel Coalition is a voice that tons of of Christians, conservative Christians, listen to, and kind of go by. I think in a lot of ways, whatever they say, whatever they say is kind of law. Whatever they say gospel is truth. is gospel truth. Yeah, it's it's like God said it. It's almost like the I'm getting a little cynical here. I don't mean to, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it's just a podcast, right? But it's almost <laughs> like like the Catholics have the Pope, but we have our own popes too. You know, we have our own popes that if they say it, it's it's got to be from God. Um, anyway, and 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 uh, I'm not I'm not knocking everything they do, but just to say something happened at the uh, the PCA um, national conference, and you were there. Uh, I and and just tell us about Overture Twenty Three. Because it's been in the social media feeds and and things like that, and um, just just tell us what happened, and then let's kind of let's kind of go from there. Yeah. So, so there were two overtures, um, overture twenty three and overture thirty seven, and they both sought to address the the matter of uh, church the church office qualifications for a church office, like being a pastor or a teaching elder or a ruling elder or deacon. Um, and the process of, of examining someone as uh, for the, for the position of a church office. And um, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to summarize this without getting into all of the nitty gritty par- parliamentarian things, which were new to me because <laughs> I'm, I'm new in the PCA and um I grew up Southern Baptist, and when we moved to St. Louis three years ago, we joined a PCA church. And so, um, so a lot of, uh, yeah. So it's just <laughs> I'm trying to think where to start. Um, so the the background for a lot of these for these overtures is undeniably. Um, the reality that a PCA church hosted the first Revoice conference. And then the pastor of that PCA church, Greg Johnson, um, came out on Christian Christianity today as a non-straight person, someone who would not be straight. And the bare, the bare reality that a non-straight person could be a pastor, um, is apparently controversial in some sectors of the PCA. And so um, the PCA in 2019 commissioned a study committee to write a report on sexuality that the denomination could adopt, which it did. Um, But as that report was being, as that committee was meeting over the course of the year between June of 2019, and then around the time the pandemic hit last last spring, individual presbyteries sent in these overtures. And so that's what happens. An overture is a motion, basically, that an individual presbytery, and there's over 80 presbyteries in the PCA, and they're basically 
um, geographical uh, groupings of, of local churches. So individual presbyteries passed overtures and those overtures get sent to the General Assembly. And then the overtures committee <laughs> of the General Assembly before the General Assembly meets, in the, like in the days before, it meets, convenes and debates and then votes on which of these overtures will actually be sent to the General Assembly, which the General Assembly is uh, consists of uh, teaching elders and ruling elders from all the, you know, the PC, whatever PCA church wants to send its, its ruling elders and teaching elders to uh, General Assembly. And so the, as an onlooker in the PCA, looking at these overtures that are coming out, I'm thinking these are just awful. <laughs> um, I don't understand. On the one hand, it's like, I can't fathom how, how, an entire group of teaching elders and ruling elders in a presbytery can decide that these are good things mm. to pass and actually promote and try and, and um, make uh, authoritative in the PCA in the, in the PCA. And so, you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of hope. There was a lot of hope that, you know, going into the general assembly that the overtures committee would, um, would just not recommend that these overtures go to the floor of the debate and that they wouldn't even make it. But uh, they ended up passing by overwhelming majorities. Um, and then eventually they ended up passing by overwhelming majorities on the floor. And it, you know, as someone who's brand new to the PCA, it's very discouraging. Um, Cause again, they're, they're addressing not just, and I can't remember which one was which 23 or 37, but they're addressing not just the process for ordination so that, Going forward, you know, we can sort of eliminate X number of people because of the way they talk about their sexuality, their orientation, or anything. Um, but it would also speak to the qualifications. And so people like Greg Johnson could be deemed unfit for ministry mm. because of their testimony, because of their experience of ongoing same-sex attraction. And so these uh, these overtures ended up getting debated at length in the overtures committee, and the wording was changed over and over and over again. So they're they're not as bad, <laughs> but we're still talking about something that's very bad, and it's just not as bad as it was originally proposed. And then uh, just the fact that they were passed by overwhelming majority, um, I think, just ultimately speaks to the fear, uh, to a lot to to ignorance to one, on on one hand about what. Uh, what orientation even is, what it means to mm. not be straight. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's undeniable. I mean, there was, there was an, there was a, a teaching elder who said from the floor of general assembly, we do addressing over 2000 uh, uh, elders in the PCA. It was the largest general assembly in history, in the history of the PCA. He literally said, quote, we do not want same sex attracted pastors. That's what this is all about. And so I don't know how to understand that as mm -hmm. anything other than disdain for wow. gay people. Yeah. Which is homophobia. <laughs> mm. And so the fact that we have now this process being put in place where there's going to be a, a definitive ruling on these qualifications and the process for ordination, um, it's, it's, it's just awful. And it's, it's, uh, it's legalism and Phariseeism yeah. is what it is. 
So. Well, there's there's an incredible ripple effect. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a credible ripple effect of it. People that are not PCA even, you know, texting me and, and just going, did you see this? You know, yeah. Um, hurt, just incredible hurt by gay um, celibate Christians, you know, gay right. celibate Christians that are that have had so much trauma in their like their journey with the church already yeah. and have come to some level of peace about, OK. Okay, I can be gay. I can be just my. I can be myself. I can be, uh, you know. And 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 in, in this in this interview, we didn't we didn't talk at length about just how how that feels like being left-handed, or it, it just mm. it it, it, yeah. it involves it involves so much. It's it's not just it's not just your, who you're attracted to. It's it involves all of who you are. It's 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 yeah. and, and and for it most. Affects- it affects your whole life. Your whole life, and for most, it was discovered when they hit puberty at twelve or at age seven or or whatever, right? And so, long before you were ever, you know, having sex with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's and and I think that's a huge thing that a huge huge thing that conservative straight people don't understand is uh, that it, that it that it's it's much broader than. Um, just even sexual attraction or or yep. or sexual yep. act- activity, and so th- this after coming to peace with this, hey, I can be gay and 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 you know so, so even even some choose the word same sex attraction, which is a much more conservative label to put on it. Yeah. Uh, euphemism, <laughs> to be a euphemism, yeah. I have this. <laughs> this is, this one friend of mine, he's just a wild and crazy person. He's like, ah, whatever you want to call it. He's because like, I'm trying to be respectful. What do you, you know, whatever someone yeah. prefers to be called, that's what yeah. I'm going to say. Sure, he's sure. like, it all means the same thing. And he, he lists off like eight labels. And anyway, sorry, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I say that to say like in the PCA, man, even there, like that's a, that's a conservative space where he, I thought, I thought that, I thought same sex attraction, SSA, you know, I, I thought that was a safe a safe label, like a safe, yeah. a safe thing where even, I, I don't know. I just, I, there, again, if, if you're, if you're in that space and, and you're gay and you're going, I have this space within now my, my theological tradition of, of the Bible, my biblical, um, convictions where, where my testimony can even be celebrated. My, my, you know, where, where they were seeing these testimonies celebrated f- for that to just come crashing down yeah. At, at a at a general assembly to be told, uh, no, that's a flaw in you that would disqualify you from being a pastor, yeah. uh, and and maybe an elder. You know, I, I don't know all the all the details, but sure, sure. it's a huge blow to uh, to so many in in the Christian community that I think thought. They had some footing, and now we're going. Oh, great! More rejection, more, yeah, um, yeah just more, more, more rejection. When, when, and questioning. I thought I was doing what was biblical. What more, more do I have to do? More hoops to jump through. More hoops to more, jump through. More, more hiding. Hide or or hiding exactly, or more mental gymnastics yeah. to try not only address the shame that people put on me because of my, my experience, but also like, I just, I desperately want to belong. Yeah. And so yeah. what, what am I going to do to try and belong? And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's abusive. 
You know, it, that belonging is, is such a, a good, the belonging piece is so huge because I think us conservative straight people, myself being the us here, uh, yeah. we, we quickly judge, oh, all those people are jumping over. They're jumping over to those liberal churches. They're, they're jumping over to those, you know, uh, you know, open and affirming churches, liberal denominations, whatever, you know, who's such and such about the Bible. And you go, you look at something like this and you're like, what choice are you giving people? I mean, you're, 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 you're telling, you're telling someone who's, who's, I feel like that's, that's where I get frustrated is you have somebody who's already carrying this really heavy cross, like I talked about, and, and just trying to, trying to find that belonging, trying to find that community mm -hmm. and the, they're not they're not strong on their feet. I mean, they're they're they've been wrestling with this their whole life, and 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 now you just flick them, like you know, and uh, off the table and say, nope, this is not this is not a space for you. And I want to say, you know, biblically, why? W w what do you have biblically to show that that would that this would not be, you know, a, a space for them when when they're they're checking all the boxes biblically that that there are. Uh, yeah. And so it's got to be something more than biblical. And that's scary. That's a scary, uh, that's a scary place to be. Yeah. As we talk through it, I, I, I say, I say strong emotional things sometimes on the podcast. I do want to go back and, and nuance what I said. I don't know. And I'm not asking you to share either. I don't know. I only mentioned Tim Keller and Kevin DeYoung's names because they're the most famous Sure. Uh, PCA people I could think of. I don't know their view on this. I'm sure there's Gospel Coalition articles on this. I I have a, I I don't go down all the rabbit holes. I I don't. No. Um, they're they're out there to be got through. So just for listeners, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not singling out any anybody. I'm just saying that that decision that was made and that that vote that happened. Uh, and I want to say, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I read in an article it was something like. 1400 to 400 or some it was 78 percent to 22 percent okay yeah so, so that's close. that's a massive yeah massive vote so it, it's hard to yeah so in terms of the process the, the the vote the overture is to amend the book of church or church order which is basically is the process by which churches sold, do things and so because that's a, 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 a significant thing to do, it's not easy to achieve. And so just this one vote does not make that happen. It's the first step of three things. So, so what now needs to happen is two thirds of the 80 plus presbyteries need to vote vote to approve those over that overture, those overtures. And then at next year's General Assembly, it needs to pass again. OK. And so there's a chance that this won't even happen in terms of uh being actually affected in the end but the fact that 78 percent of elders that showed up to general assembly thought this was a good idea speaks to a, a reality that cannot be denied that is in the press the pca mm. and that's um and that and that's significant i think yeah uh, and uh, you th the 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 white theologically conservative church is not known for empathy for the oppressed. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not known for um, when it comes to policies and voting and it's not known for, and I, and I'm certainly bringing race uh, into yep. the conversation here. Um, 
and and there's a whole nother you know done done some podcasts on that as well and yeah. um but it it's interesting you bring up race because it's the people that have reached out to me in the aftermath of ga who have been most concerned and um offering their like their, their sympathies outside the pca have been racial minorities because they recognize the the, the dynamics of oppression that mm. are there that are similar to the ones that they've experienced. This is not to say that sex and race are the you know parallel categories, but there are similarities in the way that racial minorities experience oppression and the way that sexual minorities have experienced um, disregard for their human dignity. That's a, but again, that's a that's a question that that we are ill prepared. Mm. Uh, we're ill prepared to have. That doesn't mean it's not necessary. It absolutely has to happen. Yeah, um, but it it it's. It's tricky. And my heart, you know, when I think about following Jesus and, <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. I mean, I think about following Jesus. What is that? What does that mean? What is the, the, the primary fruit? There's so many scriptures you could put behind this Old and New Testament about the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And it's to have compassion Yep. It's to bring freedom. It's to bring equity. And how our church tradition is typically on the wrong side of that. Right. It is typically yep. doing the opposite. Working, working against that. it. Working <laughs> against it. I, yeah. I honestly, it... I, <laughs> I mean... It issues of, you know, where can we point to, to expressions of... of christianity that are that are actually faithful (laughs) um i just i i really want to challenge listeners i want to challenge listeners to really look at jesus and really look at scripture look look at look at injustice in the old testament look at the ministry and life of jesus terrence lester and i talked about this a bit in the last episode so jump into that one and 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 we we talked about this but just we our tradition is far from perfect we have to we have to be able to be honest and stop acting like any type of criticism or critique of our of our human power structures uh like like any kind of critique we is is immediately um not even allowed. You're not even allowed to ask those questions or have that conversation. So we need a healthy prophetic voice, a healthy biblically yep. prophetic voice that's saying, you know, I think the king, uh, Old Testament king, he kind of wandered off this way a little bit, and the scriptures actually say this over here, and it, and the prophets come along and they speak to the people of God. They're not speaking to the. They're not primarily speaking to the culture at large. They're yeah. speaking to the people of God, yeah. and they're calling the people of God back to God's God's way. Yeah. And so, if God's way is is to lighten burdens, hmm. then it is not in God's way to reinforce and add to burdens. Um. So. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's it's powerful, and I I I wanted to talk about that here because it just happened, and I just want I want people to get a little feel of the emotion behind it, a, a little feel of the emotion of some of the injustice that a gay person experiences, and 
we that that's uh if it, it maybe we could close with that I, I wanted to ask that it's not um i i i want to be respectful of your time um but i i do i do want i think as we talk through this I, I think so often because this was me. We, I, many of us conservative Christians were raised to just believe gay is a choice. You know, you chose it, and now hopefully we've realized okay, it's not a choice. Hopefully, most people realize that. I, I, yeah. I'm sure there's some that don't still realize that, but hopefully we realize it's not a choice. But we still think, but okay, be celibate, do that. And uh, and now you're fine. Now you're 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 one of us now. Uh, and I don't think we have an understanding of the gravity of the injustice is one word. Uh, the the weight carried, the yep. op- the oppressive weight, the oppressive weight of what it means um, to be gay in general, but to be yep. gay as a Christian, and and trying to f- to trying to find your way. Nate, could you could you just kind of speak into that as as you feel led to help listeners try to get an empathetic, compassionate mind wrapped around that? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, it's honestly difficult right now. Uh, you, you speak. You, you mentioned the, just the emotional response, and I'm just aware right now of of my own. Um, Again, I was at General Assembly all week last week, um, and I'm still reeling personally from it. Mm. Um, I'm able to keep busy because I've got lots to do. <laughs> I've got three kids. I've got busy a lot of um, important things with Revoice that are taking my time. But when I'm not busy, when I'm not occupied, uh, I just I I go. I swing back and forth between feeling numb and feeling raw about um, the things that have been happening in, in the PCA and, and, the, and that I, you know, the spiritual realities that I see on display in, in cultural Christianity at large in North America. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, it's really heavy uh, to be honest. It's really hard to, I mean, it's, it's, tr- it's a level of, it's a degree of trauma uh, that, that we experience. And that um, means that, as you're grieving trauma, then there's uh, emotional responses of sadness and anger as part of the the grieving process. And all of those are exhausting. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I I guess just speaking personally to that, that's my, that's my experience right now as I sit less than a week out from general assembly. And as I think about, you know, what the future holds and ways that I see the church, um, growing and being able to uh, just to, to be a safe place for gay mm-hmm. people to mm-hmm. em, to embrace who, who God is calling them to be, but also being honest about their experience. Um, if that's, yeah, it's it's just hard. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being willing to you know, talk about this stuff. Um, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know this was going on, you know, when we scheduled yeah. this and no, no, um, yeah. I appreciate you being willing to open up and share, you know, your heart. I think, man, I hope again for people listening, uh, so much of uh, put, I can't experience what you're experiencing, but like 
empathy is, is putting myself in your shoes. It's, it's, yeah. it's going, man. And, and I, I just want to say, Nate, it, it's not, it's not right. What the yeah. PCA did, it's not right. What they, what they voted. I'm just saying this to you. I know we're on a podcast right now and somebody could quote me on this, but I'm just saying it's, I don't care. I'm saying it's to you as a brother. Yeah. That's wrong. Uh, yeah. I would love to hire you uh, as a pastor. You know, I mean, I, 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 I have so much admiration for um, Christians who are gay and who have who have uh, I have. Comp- and trust me, I have love and compassion and, and understanding for Christians who are gay, who who are in gay relationships. Um, yeah. But I have I have so much honor and respect and admiration for gay Christians who who have went to the cross and they have they have taken the the, the hardest thing in their life the, the most challenging difficult thing it'd be so easy to just cave to it and to be in a gay relationship and to say no I'm gonna follow God's command in scripture I'm gonna follow Jesus I'm gonna surrender this to Jesus the way he surrendered his life for me and I, I don't think there's any harder walk than that and mm. that that you're walking and that and that you're helping so many others walk and i i i applaud it and i, I spiritually i people like yourself are are my mentors even in my own my own sexual sin my own sexual sin struggles that mm. are hetero they're all heterosexual in nature that yeah. i i I I look to I just I just uh read uh Gregory Cole's book Single Gay Christian for the first mm-hmm. time and um as I read it I went this dude is doing what I'm trying to do but <laughs> 10 times harder mm-hmm. so I I'm trying to sacrifice my attractions to other women Mm-hmm. Uh, be, for Jesus to be obedient, and it's not easy, and it's hard, and it's the hardest thing that I do in my life, mm-hmm. and and He's doing that um, ten times hard. He he's he's giving <laughs> up all. He's he's saying I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna be with a man at all. I'm and I'm gonna be single. And I'm and I'm listening to that going. How in the world would someone like that be disqualified to be a pastor? They. Yeah. They should be the head, the head of pastors. They're they're the <laughs> I believe like it's it should be the opposite. So I don't know, man. I just want to give you that um, appreciate that en- encouragement. I just yeah, that's how I that's that's how I see it. Yeah. Well, hey, I would love uh, as we wrap up, um, tell us a little bit about Revoice. I know it's coming up. It's coming yeah. up uh, quick, and uh, and so just tell us when it is, and even what is it. Who, who's allowed to who's allowed to go? Uh, tell listeners about Revoice. Anybody a little can bit. come. <laughs> yeah, invite us down. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, it, our our conference this year is in uh, Plano, Texas, which is North Dallas. It's October seventh through ninth. Um, we're going to be announcing some speakers next week, so check the website. Check out the website. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's a it's a place for celibate gay Christians or uh, gay Christians who are in mixed orientation marriages, like like I am. And, and those who love them. So anybody who is uh, just really wanting to understand the issue more, but also but primarily people who are actually 
this is their experience and they're just trying to find a place to belong where they can thrive. And uh, this will be our third in-person conference. Um, and our theme is the theme this year is together. Uh, you know, we've experienced a lot of isolation over the past year. Everybody has, uh, and it's, it's really been compounded for LGBT people who already feel isolated from faith communities because of uh, just the, the, the dynamics and play there. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how to say that without sounding like a, like I'm just prideful about this, this organization I started, but um, I mean, seeing people, the first, I mean, for the, in the first conference, it was held at a church and the second, this time it's going to be at a church as well, but seeing people who hadn't been in the church in years because of just their, their past experiences um, actually walk into a church and for the first time feel like they weren't judged and they were just belonged. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And so, uh, yeah, anybody is welcome. Um, we have some speakers that are going to be speaking to issues that, that will uh, help pastors, for example, or campus ministers or parents or family members who have people who have family members who are LGBT. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, coming up. So anybody's welcome. Come join us. Cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks. We'll make sure we get that info uh, on the notes yep. for this episode and on the website and everything so people can can come check it out and and check out your book, All But Invisible. I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your leadership. And uh, just thanks for coming on, man. I, 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 yep. uh, I want to encourage you just to keep going. And um, I, I, I hope I hope God just keeps bringing encouraging voices, you know, yeah. into your life. Um to keep going and keep leading. Cause I know leading, especially in this, mm, in this, yeah. in, in this, you know, topic when in, in this social environment that we're in today, even in the church, I mean, I know you get a lot of bullets uh, shot your way and um, man, just keep standing strong and, and stay healthy, you know, is the best you can. Cause man, yeah. God's, God's using you and it's, it's really needed. And uh, I hope I hope my church can be a place for uh, all gay people, LGBT yeah. people, to come and find the gospel, and for gay Christians uh, to find um, that type of community that 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 um, we're challenging each other towards holiness. Yeah. And uh, we are we are doing everything in love and grace and compassion. And so uh, you're helping me be able to do that. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's great. All right, we are back onto the podcast. And like I said in the intro, that that was such a an emotional and and challenging conversation. And I would again ask that you would allow yourself to be challenged. I've used that prophet imagery the last couple podcast episodes to and and maybe that's a role this podcast can play in your life and in the life of the church. <clears throat> Maybe there are certain conversations that aren't happening on a Sunday morning that need to happen in the church. Where, where what, what I want to say is allow yourself, allow yourself to hear that prophetic voice from Scripture. And, and I, I already mentioned it to Nate, so I, I won't belabor the point here too much. But again, the prophet in the Old Testament would go to the king and the king was all mixed up in his own power dynamics, political power, 
political power struggles, power systems, and that all existed within ancient Israel. And it certainly exists today in in modern day United States of America, uh, Republican, Democrat, as well as within our denominations and within our local churches. And there's all of this human power struggle. I, I think of Jesus where he says, don't, uh, don't be like the Gentiles who who rule it over one another. And I'm, I'm very roughly paraphrasing uh, what Jesus talks about when it comes to power. But he's talking about these these Gentile, in that sense, just this 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 non-believing power structure that exists, and they seem so real. But the prophet would go to the king and would say, actually, God doesn't care about your power structures. Here's what God says in Scripture. Here's God's heart and will. And it usually had to do with two things, idolatry, we certainly have that today, and injustice, we certainly have that today. And it was usually the king getting power hungry and oppressing the weak, the poor, the marginalized, and along with that, worshiping other gods. And that would all that all went into that same sort of power structure. And we are naive and blind and arrogant if we think that that doesn't affect us today as well, myself included. The, the solution, the, the, the right answer is not to say, oh, that doesn't affect me. I'm spiritual enough. That doesn't affect me. No, <laughs> that affects all of us. The right answer is, how does that affect me? Let me pause. Let me put the brakes on and stop. Instead of going 100 miles an hour down this road paved for me, let me stop and look at my human structures that are around me and in, in what ways are the human structures that I was born into. And that might be your denomination. It might be the color of your skin. It might be the economic class that you were born into. It might be the political party of your family. Whatever it may be, there's all of these assumptions that we have about other people that were just baked into us from the day we were born. And to be able to stop and say, God, how are you speaking to me here? How are you speaking to me, God, that we want to be faithful to Scripture. We want Scripture to be what leads us in hearing God's voice in this, but to hear His voice, His will from Scripture that's very clear that if our path of following Jesus does not involve us loving our enemy, loving our neighbor, those are the same and two different things, those are two different commands, loving our neighbor, loving the stranger. There's another command from Scripture. And and loving the marginalized, loving the Samaritan. Or if you're the Samaritan, loving the Jew and and being in community together. If if your path of following Jesus doesn't involve empathy, it doesn't involve compassion, it doesn't involve um the 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 ability to your heart to break for someone else's heart breaking we're doing something wrong we're we're doing something really 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 wrong if our path of following Jesus does not involve those things and so so uh, i i just invite you into that god's inviting you into that into that space uh, to soften your heart and to listen. And so, and it's not to say everything that Nate or I said today is, is correct um, or infallible by any means, but, but we are, we, I'm trying to be faithful 
to say, okay, God, I, I want, what is it that you want, God? What is it that you want? And, and I might be in the minority here. If I was voting in the PCA, I'd be in that 22%. Right? That's an overwhelming majority. If, if everybody wrote me an email of their view and it was 78% was against me, oh, that would be hard to take. <laughs> but sometimes that's what we have to do. And, and, it's, and let me say this in conclusion and I'll, and I'll wrap up. We're all human and, and we, I'm not, I'm not judging the other, the, the side that voted yes, that's 78%. I, I do hope that they listen. I hope that, I hope that they're listening to the, the hearts that, that they're breaking. I hope they're listening to the voices like Greg Johnson, I, uh, that, that Nate mentioned, you know, their, their own, their own brothers and sisters that are in their churches that are saying you're you're talking about me you're talking about my life i do hope that they stop and that they change their view but know that i i love them that that this is not one of these cancel culture you know cancel culture you're a bigot you're this you're no 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 we're in this together we're we're brothers and sisters we're we're trying to be faithful to scripture together we're trying to be faithful to the Holy Spirit's leading together, and I hope we can hear each other's voices. And in doing that, go, whoa, okay, let's reconsider. Maybe, maybe there's something I can learn, you know, from this other person's perspective. And that's what I hope we are able to do today. And I have respect for the Gospel Coalition. They've done a lot of good. They've they've helped me a lot in in finding freedom in in what and even Nate mentioned it you know that this the the gospel the gospel does everything the gospel completes us the gospel is Jesus being fully righteous because we could not be righteous on our own and now guess what we are fully righteous those of us whose faith is in Jesus we are fully righteous we are holy before God Colossians 1.22, because of what Jesus did on our behalf. That is the gospel. That is what saves us. And the Gospel Coalition has done a great job of leading with that message. Uh, my caution would be any, any human group where, where, where we, we, we might put too much authority in. We... we It's it's not a caution of the gospel coalition. So so correct. Just just it's it's a caution of being a Christian who who it and maybe it's focused on the family. You know, growing up, it felt that way in in my house or in my circles. It focused on the family. Said it, by golly, you know that was that was from God. And and I think we all can can look at the good that focus on the family did during that era, and we can look at it and we can say, oh, there was some things they really missed and some things they did that were really harmful. And that's part of the process. That's how my life will be. People <laughs> look back at my life and and even, you know, now as well as decades later and say, okay, there was some good that Noah did or some good that, you know, Beyond the Battle, the book did. And there was some harm that it did too. And, you know, and and to, just to be able to be honest about those things. And so, and so don't, just don't slurp it all up. Don't slurp up everything I say and everything Beyond the Battle says and everything Maybe even your pastor says, and it doesn't mean you're the ultimate authority either. It gets really tricky, doesn't it? And isn't that part of being in a fallen world? So let's just have some humility and, and let's just be people that, 
don't just listen to our own echo chambers. And I think that's the caution with any kind of subculture. Let's realize we're in a subculture. I think the healthiest thing about subculture is that you've got to realize you're in one and, and that all the rules of other subcultures, they apply to yours as well. And yes, we have the word of God in the Bible. As Nate said, we, it, it leads us and guides us. He said it better than I'm saying it right now. Uh, we're also in the process of interpreting it. And obviously, we don't all end up in the same place there. If, if, if we did, we wouldn't have all the denominations uh, that we have. So hopefully we can have unity. And I do hope that this podcast leads with humility, where we want to be united around the really, the really big things that we just talked about, about the gospel, and that we can have a humility I'm not a retweet guy where I'm going to say everything that your camp says, and so all my followers are going to be people in my camp. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I just don't think that's healthy, and, and it's, it's also not as popular. So I hope that when I say something that might offend your – offend might be the wrong word, but maybe it's on the other side of the aisle of where you are. Um, I, I hope you're able to listen and hear my heart and um, – know that I'll say other things that uh, are going <laughs> to offend the other side of the aisle. And, and uh, I, I hope that we can, we can learn and grow sort of in community together. And as always, feel free to email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. I love to get your emails, your feedback, your questions, and then we can interact together uh, via email as well as uh, I'll read your email on air and, and talk about it there. All right, that sound you hear, that is our new, our new warning bell, our new alarm to tell you that all serious gospel connecting with the grit of life section of this podcast is officially over. We are now moving on to what we call Noah's Rant. If you've never listened to this show before, know that you don't want to listen to Noah's Rant if you liked the rest of the show. Noah's Rant lives an interesting life. Uh, we'll see if it survives the next 50 episodes the way that it did uh, the first 50 episodes. It is utter ridiculousness. It is an attempt at humor, an attempt at levity. And yes, listeners, Noah's Rant is still on the chopping block. It still needs your emails uh, to tell the the director, producer of this show, that would be me, that Noah's Rant is worth doing for your listening ears. But at, as of right now, the <laughs> for, for better or worse, Noah's Rant exists to make the world a better place and that is what it's about to do. So sit back and enjoy Noah's rant. Noah's rant. All right, so I'm, I'm driving around in my car and you know, gas is expensive right now. I, it wasn't that long ago, I feel like the gas was pretty cheap. And in Michigan now, gas is over well over three dollars a gallon again. And so I'm driving around, and this sign, the gas station, catches my eye. I see the 0.99, and and then the small nine, and I go, "Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, gas is 99 cents." 
at this gas station and there there's uh, this is worth this is worth slowing down for this is worth seeing this is worth trying to figure out you know what's going on and as i as i look closer it is a it is a speedway gas station and the the item for sale on the large digital uh, screen uh, that you see the gas prices on the item for sale is actually a speedy freeze a speedy freeze so that would be an icy that would be a a, a slushy for 99.9 cents uh, on the large the large gas window and and on upon further review unleaded gas is 317. Point nine, three dollars and seventeen point nine cents, and uh, a few a few things uh, go into my my Noah's rant mind when I look at this. First of all, uh, I go, you you are a gas station. When when I look to your prices, I want to see the price of gas, not the price of a speedy freeze. See, gas is an essential part of modern life. It is an essential part of getting from point A to point B. Therefore, it should be on your sign. It should be on the gas station sign where I look for gas prices is how much gas costs. Not the price of a speedy freeze. Speedy freezes are not an essential part of modern life, or at least they'd better not be for you. Or you have a lot bigger problems than Noah's rant is able to solve. Here's the other thing. Do the prices of Speedy Freeze change uh, from season to season the way gas prices do? Gas prices are often in the news. They are dictated by macro-level economic factors that are way above my pay grade. They are indicated by things going on at Wall Street. They are things indicated by things going on in the Middle East and global political geopolitical economic trends dictate whether my gas is three dollars and seventeen cents or two dollars and seventeen cents the prices of speedy freeze are not indicated are not dictated by macro level geopolitical economic factors the price of a speedy freeze is whatever the price speedway says it is 99.9 cents it never changes it never needs to change it does not need to be on the large screen when i drive down the road wondering huh i wonder how much a speedy freeze is today i never have that question because i know it's always 99.9 cents at this speedway or if it were to change Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> That's speedy. It's not like if you drop the price of a speedy freeze from 99.9 cents to 79.9 cents, I would slam on the brakes and say, oh, I must get a speedy freeze. Yes, the blue kind, because it's only 79.9 cents. No, it doesn't. It's not the same as a gas price where when you see gas drop by 20 or 50 cents, you stop and go, I'd better fill up because I'm not just getting one gallon of gas. I'm going to get 15 gallons of gas. And so I'd better buy while the price is low. Here's the other thing about your price of a speedy freeze. 99.9 cents? Really? Is it, is it? I know you're trying to make it look like a gas price, 
But is it is it really 99.9 cents? It's not $1. It's not 99 cents. If I give you a dollar, is there a way you can give me a tenth of a penny back? Or if if I decided in my in my good math, if I decided I were to buy a would it be 11? If I bought 9, <laughs> if I bought 10, then I would be up to 0.9 <laughs> I should have done this math. Uh, I should have done this math uh, already. My point is, I think if I bought 10, that I would get a free penny off, is what I'm saying. It's 0.9 cents, 99.9 cents. Do you see where I'm going with this? So if I bought one, it'd be 99.9 cents. If I bought two, it would be a dollar ninety-eight <laughs> 18 cents yes it would be no yes it would be i don't know but eventually if you buy enough you will get a penny you will steal a penny from speedway is what i'm saying you need to go and hold them accountable and and buy enough where that 0.9 eventually becomes a real cent that you get back from speedway that that is that that is what we must do Flipside Nation, flip upon a mic. In order, someone first needs to figure out how many speedy freezes we would need to buy in one sitting in order to get that free scent from Speedway, and then we all need to go in and do it. And it will prove to Speedway that you should not be charging ninety nine point nine cents for your speedy freeze, which really is a dollar. But we could steal that penny back. So that's it. That's your Noah's rant for today. It's going out to you, Speedway. I know you're listening. I know your CEO, your 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 chair of the board is listening to the flip side. I know you're big fans. And, and it's time for you to get rid of the speedy freeze price off of your gas station sign. Flipside Nation is sick of it. The flip upon am I are sick of being deceived. We're sick of being duped into thinking that gas is only 99 cents, only to be disappointed when we see it's a speedy freeze. And then we go, you know, that's not even that good of a deal for a cup of ice filled with sugary water. That's all that we have for you today for Noah's Rant. Always exist to make the world a better place. If you want to continue to hear Noah's rant, please email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. I would love to hear from you in general. Let me know questions about the show. All you know, all the serious part is over now, but feel free to email in your questions, and I would love to interact with them on the show Thank you for listening to episode 52 of The Flip Side. That wraps things up, and I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak, www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Used with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Souls need and revivals. What do I do? Influence like the cup full of that Bombay. Kelly's to them Tom Hanks. Lexus to them Andres. Hoping they check in my inner reverence. Stressing for leverage. That they see the king tracks on the pavement leading to heaven. Y'all, y'all dripping in that gold that don't perish. People selling fake. See the
the green around their belly Aching refuge in his hand See his poems, my living quarters Close them when I'm finished It's time to bring me closer There's no purgatory Cause you're in or you're out When you see him in the clouds Then you know it's going down Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly Raise him, raise him, raise him They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but 